message this morning, and it's titled Radiant Bride. And uh, I want to say the gathering is many things. It's a bonfire. It's a collective assembly of kindling. It's a fresh stream. It's the mountaintop. It's an army base camp. It's equipping the church. This is not just about filling your cup overflowing. This is about being equipped as women for this time in the earth. It's an army base camp. And also it's the bridal chamber. It is the place where the Lord is preparing his bride for this poignant time in the earth. And I just feel like in my spirit, I can't wait a day longer. I must prepare the bride. I must prepare the bride. I must prepare the bride. We're in a poignant time in the earth. Who knows that in their hearts here this morning? Uh, I had a strategic vision a while ago for a particular scenario that the Lord gave me but it feels poignant even today. Uh, and I saw the bride and the groom, and they were eye to eye, as this couple are in this picture. Uh, and they were locking eyes. And there was a small child tugging on the hem of the bride, uh, trying actually to cause the bride to break gaze with the groom. And we're in days where our hearts need to be set on the Lord. Our eyes need to be set on the Lord and not to allow the destruction of this earth, um, pettiness, fickle things, earthly things to tug on our garment and cause us to break gaze. The Lord is calling us in eye to eye, heart to heart for these days in the earth. Amen. He's drawing the bride in close. I keep seeing this reoccurring vision. I see the back of the bride. I see the arm of the bridegroom come around the bride and he pulls her close to himself. And that is the position of the Lord in these days. He is pulling the, the bride in close, snug alongside himself. Who knows that's the safest place on the planet? Amen. He's lifting the veil so we can come Eye to eye, heart to heart, cheek to cheek, intimacy, in step, one accord in these times. You know, we become the radiant bride, like Demelza said this morning, when as Moses we encounter God face to face. Moses' face shone. He was radiant because of the encounter he had with God. And the bride will be radiant in the days ahead. There is a different spirit substance in the kingdom, is there not? And we take it. Naomi, when you go into the Mid-North Correctional, Coast Correctional Facility, the spirit of the kingdom enters that place, the spirit of love enters that place. I love my position in the kingdom, but I have a little bit of envy for your position in the kingdom. I think it's so powerful. It does not surprise me at all that the Lord would pluck you out and not place you in obscurity, but place you for his purpose. You're such a person of deep love, deep mercy, deep compassion. I believe there will be a flurry of miracles that happen in conversations and little moments as you occupy that place for the kingdom. There is a lot of the kingdom in Kempsey Prison. A lot of kingdom seed already exists there. I thank you, Lord. The seed is breaking through the hard soil. I thank you, Lord. It's fertile ground. It's fertile ground. It's fertile ground. 
I thank you for a sweeping move of salvation, a sweeping move of deliverance spontaneously by your spirit. Naomi, you're going to sing in the corridors. You're going to sing the anthems of heaven in the corridors of that place. I can see you singing hymns as you maneuver through the corridors of that place, provoking heaven. The spirit of heaven will flood the corridors of that place as you let the sound arise. You have been given a pass into what appears to be the enemy's camp, but is actually the place of transformation, the place of transformation, the place of transformation. In Jesus' mighty name. So I felt in recent times that we've been led from the war room to the throne room, from the war room to the throne room, from the war room to the throne room. Can anybody relate out there? And I just want to give some language around what these um, spaces look like and feel like and what God's intent is in it. Uh, The war room to the throne room, it's preparation to enter the bridal suite. There is intention in all that God does. Uh, So the war room is a place of preparation and strategy and focus. I see a group gathered around a table, leaning in together, focusing on the blueprint. Uh, It's collaborative. It's cultivating humility. It's sharing insight. It's coming into agreement and then going out to address and to disarm the enemy's plans and his chaos. There is pressure and there is weight, and it's forming and forging and fashioning like the iron rod in the fire being beaten by the blacksmith. That sounds a bit volatile, doesn't it? But I felt like I've I've been in that place, a place of forming and forging and fashioning and conditioning and ultimately strengthening our resolve. You know, there is... Our God is a good father who disciplines his sons and daughters so that we are not ill-equipped when the day comes that we should stand. He tempers our resolve. He tempers our resolve. He tempers our resolve. So the conditioning of the war room grasps the grit for the grace for the throne room. This morning was the throne room atmosphere. Sweet. Jesus-focused. This is the nature of the throne room, it is first and foremost holy. I have found myself on my knees more times than I can count, many times in tears. Holiness makes me bow. The only appropriate response is to bow. It is holy ground. It is entirely Jesus-focused. There is no place for I in the presence of Jesus. He is the great I am. We are eclipsed. We are nothing in his presence. We bow low. We are only permitted to exit and enter because he qualifies us. The hem of his robe fills the temple. Every atom of the throne room is occupied by the Lord. Holiness is here right now. Can you feel it? Reverence is here right now.
we are laid bare in his presence. Nothing veiled, nothing hidden, nothing between us. The Lord sees us plainly. I've heard it said recently, I might be hanging by a thread, but it's attached to the hem of his robe, so I'm not worried. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. Be encouraged out there this morning, those ones, in a place of vulnerability. If we're attached to him, we're going to be just fine. So what's permitted in the war room is not in the throne room. And in the story of Mordecai, we see an example of this in Esther 4, 2-3. It says, He came only as far as the king's gate, for no one dressed in sackcloth was allowed to enter the king's gate. Mordecai was in a time of intercession uh, for the Jewish people, and he was, he was dressed appropriately for that, sackcloth and ash. But this was not permitted entry into the king's chamber. There was appropriate garments, dressing, preparation for the king's chamber. And it reads on in verse 4 to 5, the queen was stunned. This is Esther. She sent fresh clothes to Mordecai so he could take off his sackcloth, but he wouldn't accept them. And Mordecai contended in the outer court in sackcloth and ash, but it wasn't permitted in the king's chamber. The Lord is refining, honing, firing, fashioning, forming, forging, cleansing, refining. And and what's permitted, the rust and the ash of the war room is not permitted in the throne room. And if we're as a bride going to stand in equal partnership with him, surely we would be radiant and cleansed and pure and appropriate to be in equal partnership with him. So war room garments don't qualify for king's chambers. The Lord is preparing the bride for his chambers. I've come across this phrase um, recently, the door is in the floor. To enter into the new, the door is in the floor. I like this thought. This resonates with me. It's about a posture of humility and repentance and consecration, going low to enter into the new. The door is in the floor. As we go low, as we come with consecrated hearts, humble hearts, in order to enter into the new, the door is in the floor. So I want to talk this morning about some of the things I'm seeing the Lord detox in his bride in this time of refining um, his beautiful, radiant bride uh, and this time of preparation. Pettiness. I think it's the first thing to be laid down when a battle intensifies. If there is a raging fire coming over the hills towards your family home, you're going to gather up the most valuable items, get them in your car and get your family out of there. Pettiness falls to the side when intensity increases. And I believe pettiness has been plucked out of the garment of the bride for the days ahead. Do you know how many marriages could be saved if we would lay pettiness down? Do you know how many relationships would be resolved if we could lay pettiness down? 
the Lord is coming after pettiness. And he's also coming up the, after the ugly cousin of gossip, which goes hand in hand with pettiness. The Lord is growing up her bride so she truly reflects him. Selfish agenda, self-promotion, all things of the last era, no place in the days ahead. The grey zones in our life of compromise and control. Unbelief, competition, manipulation. None of these things reflect our God. Criticism, fault finding, false humility, distortion, rebellion, exaggeration, division, pride, complaining, judgment, confusion, subtle seduction, camouflage bitterness, hidden contempt, fear, guilt, shame. He is attending to the faulty foundations. He's attending to the heart of his church in Jesus' mighty name. Allow him to take the gold pan to your heart and to sift in the murky waters and identify the gold and identify the grit and to sift out the grit. He's taking the gold pan to our lives and he's sifting and swirling the waters around our hearts and he's removing the grit and he's bringing forth the gold because he's a diligent God. This is what he does. And I'm excited about the time of prayer and fasting. I saw the Lord... um, taking buckets of water and throwing them across the foundations of our life. You know when you clean your driveway and you throw the bucket of water and it gets all the loose grit and stuff and it moves it? Uh, It shifts it quite quickly, actually. And I believe in this prayer and fast, the Lord is going to take buckets of water and cleanse the foundations of our life. And you're going to find those gritty, fringy, loose leaves, all those additional extras are going to shift with a swift swirl of fresh water because the Lord is moving in an accelerated pattern. Do you know that these are accelerated times? There's a tailwind. There's a tailwind and things are moving with acceleration. And I'm seeing that freshness come across your life and things are going to shift that have been lying on the edges of your driveway for far too long. Amen? So I felt to circle back um, to a message I brought on spiritual sight. And just to recap some of those things, spiritual sight is everything in this time in the earth. Uh, Distortion is rife. Deception is rife. And the still small voice is everything. And closing our eyes to the natural and opening our eyes to the spirit is imperative. Um, So I just felt the Lord lead me to circle back um, to some things on spiritual sight so that we are fully equipped for the days ahead. Amen. So the veil has been lifted so the bride can see. Uh, Ephesians 1.18 says, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, that very centre and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. The veil of religion has been well and truly lifted so the bride of Christ can see our bridegroom Jesus face to face. And the veil of self is currently being attended to across the church, across the bride, so we can engage heart to heart. Have you noticed if our heart is not in rhythm with God, it feels like an awkward three-legged race. (laughs) 
like there's a clunk and there's a disconnect and the Lord wants to bring our hearts into a one accord so they beat together so we can partner so effectively in this time in the earth and not the awkward three-legged race, the pulling towards self and the, the clunkiness that that causes in the rhythms of our life. He wants beating together, one accord, in sync, instinctively connected, amen? The Bible says the pure in heart shall see God. We see through our heart. A selfless people see clearly. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature are the pure in heart, those with integrity, moral courage and godly character, for they will see God. To be spiritually mature is not defined by age, but purity of heart. You know, there is going to be such a move of spiritual sight amongst our little ones because they don't, won't know the reference of the veil of religion and they're going to come up with humility in their hearts. They're going to, the pure in heart will see. I'm just waiting to hear the profound insights and revelations that come from our little ones, from the children that are at Laura's feet. I'm inclining my ear to hear because I believe revelation is going to flow out of the hearts of the little ones. And we're going to have to run to keep up with them in the days ahead. Amen? Because pride clouds the lens, but humility clears it. How good does it feel when we say sorry? And then there's just something shifts and it's intangible and it's just kind of there. It brings relief. It's like I can lay that burden down. I don't have to carry that anymore. Something is restored heart to heart. Preferring self is a red flag for pride. We can only afford to prefer him in this season. I love the disciple Peter. I often refer to him because he was so human. (laughs) And it encourages me how clunky his life was, but how beautiful his life was. Who loves Peter? It's like, thank God for the reality of Peter. Um, he, he, He had spiritual blindness, in the early part of his walk with Jesus, um, he had both a deer in the headlight syndrome and a foot and mouth disease, a solid case of foot and mouth disease. God bless him. And he preferred self. He kept, because he was an apostle in the making, he kept putting his own agenda forward, which is typical young apostle, immature apostle uh, mishap. But he got set free from himself. And he steadied. And he gained spiritual sight. And we can all gain spiritual sight. If if Peter could have it, we can have it. Amen? It says in Matthew 16, 17, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John. This is Simon that also went by the name of Peter. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. The most exciting thing in the world is revelation. When the Lord speaks direct, direct access. These are not days to learn second house hand from a podcast. These are times for direct revelation, hearing the still small voice direct. There is nothing more exciting than revelation when it drops into your heart and like only the Lord could have revealed that to me. Only the Lord 
could have known, this is my highlight reel, Eloise, when the Lord speaks to me. It's everything. It's what I live for, to hear from him. It's more exciting than anything. Sometimes people react a bit startled when they need to forgive. I'm seeing this around the bride right now. They either need to forgive themselves or others or a circumstance or God. But there's this deer in the headlights, um, uh, startled kind of thing that I'm observing. And it prevents them from seeing and hearing and even speaking with clarity. It's like there's a flurry of confusion that comes around when, and they can turn inwards and, and they don't know how to react or to think and sometimes they think too much on one thing and they fixate. Um, and some I am concerned. If they don't forgive the sneaky offence which has come and camped in their heart, they won't have sight, S-I-G-H-T, or sight, S-I-T-E, because I find the two are closely related. How we see and where the land that we occupy are closely related. And I found these ones can wander in the wilderness, wander in the wilderness, led by their soulish perspective, when actually forgiveness would release the cord from that weight in Jesus' name. So I'm not talking about academic intelligence or emotional intelligence, but spiritual intelligence. Isaiah 29, 18 says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. See, spiritual blankness creates a void. It can be hard to connect. There can be spiritual shallowness sitting on a certain trajectory. And I'm calling the church, and the Lord is calling the church, come out of the shallows and into the deep. Come out of the shallows and enter the fullness. Come out of the shallows because the hooks can't hold their grip in the deep. Things release in the deep. In the fullness of the encounter, there are things that are released that cannot hold their grip in the fullness and in the deep. In Jesus' name. So religion is like existing in a paddling pool. Adorable for toddlers, not so much for full-grown, mature believers. You know, we're sitting in that little paddling pool with the borders around, and it's like, oh, this is so comfortable. I can touch the bottom. I can reach the sides. I'm fully in control of this spiritual experience. But the reality is you're sitting in this contained, shallow space when there is a raging river of life fully available just over there if we would enter into the fullness that's available in the Spirit of God. So I'm calling us out of the places of confinement and containment and religion into the fullness of the flow, the fullness of the flow, the fullness of the flow. And what I know about the subduing effect of the spirit of religion is that you'll see sincerity, but not power. Who knows our world doesn't need more sincerity? It needs power. 
it needs a legit intervention. Our world is desperately hanging on for a legit intervention. It needs the fullness of power and transformation. Our world needs transformation. It does not need a pat on the head or a little pat on the back or some token sincere words. Jesus moved in the fullness of power and mercy. He moved in power and in mercy and our world needs the same from the pride, the bride in this time and in this day, in Jesus' name. So the Spirit of God is sweeping across the earth. The Spirit of God is increasing in the earth and we need to get our radar on in this time. I saw a a clip uh, of a shark warning and they were playing it above ground. But the reality was it was the ones under the water that needed to hear And I'm praying that the frequency of the Spirit would reach the once. The frequency of the Spirit would reach the once. See, religion mutes and muffles the frequency of the Spirit. So I just want to run through a flurry of some of the things that contribute to spiritual blindness. Just a few, and then I'm going to land this. We can be spiritually subdued by earthly clutter, social media, the news, blah, blah, blah. It's okay to tune in for a bit of that. But the word of God, the stillness. I find myself these days sitting on the beach, not saying very much, just sitting in the stillness. Stillness needs to return to our lives. It needs to be claimed and cultivated and guarded. The stillness is so powerful. For spiritual sight, we close our eyes to the natural. There are things that humans do, numbness, alcoholism, creating a dullness, addressing trauma in a human way, in a soulish way. But there is a sweeping move of healing coming to all of our hearts. We become conditioned in our environment. I would say take responsibility for the atmosphere of your home. I can almost weigh the spiritual weight that one family cultivates to another. There's almost a spirit and a flow and a discipline and a devotion. And it's very varied across the life of the church. You can see the ones that are pressing in. And what breaks through so that we get spiritual sight? Um, Identifying the blockage. And uh, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. All you have to say is, what is it, Lord? And he will reveal it to you. He will speak to you. And I could list many things, but it's often unique. And it's wise to come with humility and say, Lord, why am I sitting in the shallows? What is hamstringing me? And he will reveal it to you. He's calling his sons and daughters into the deep. Speaking in tongues is a powerful rocket fuel response, can I just say. If you want, um, what can I do today is activate your gift of speaking in tongues. It shifts things. It's like the dust of this earth comes to settle on us and compound and lock us in and hold us down. But speaking in tongues, boom! It's like it shifts 
that dust, it deflects the dust of this earth and it, it revives our spirit and it stirs and it's a rocket fuel on the inside of us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I just want to read a, um, a flurry of truth scriptures um, here this morning. John 14, 17, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wide and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. John 12, this is why they could not believe. Isaiah also said he has blinded their eyes and harden their hearts so that they might not perceive with their eyes and understand with their mind and turn and I would heal them. Jude says, they said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. The Amplifier says these are the ones who are agitators, causing divisions, worldly-minded, secular, unspiritual, carnal, merely sensual, unsaved, devoid of the Spirit. Matthew says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes, and otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Open our ears, open our eyes, unveil our hearts. I'm going to ask us to stand across the room. The radiant bride is coming into the fullness, eye to eye, heart to heart, cheek to cheek. It is the only way. There is no other way. There is no lukewarm way. There is no token way. There is one way to be united and in step, eye to eye, heart to heart and cheek to cheek. So, Lord, we repent from the aspects of self that tarnish the closeness and the oneness. Lord, illuminate our hearts so we would not fool ourselves. Let's sing.
If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to confess before the Lord, confess. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to confess before the Lord, confess. Let Him flood your heart with light. Let Him flood your heart with light. And see what He says. said today matters what matters is the response in our hearts otherwise they are mere words and I am not here for mere words the church is weighing in the balance Judas and John the beloved both had proximity with Jesus one went the way of human agenda one had his ear inclined to the heart of the Saviour walked in relationship, walked in revelation and the eyes of open understanding were open in his life. The church is weighing in the balance. Are we in step with the Saviour? Is our ear inclined to the Saviour? What happens in our heart is what matters, not the words. They are just to bring light. The response in our heart is what matters.